Well, my name is Jen, but I think I know most of you in this room. I think I've met a lot of you, and if not, um, I'm Jen. And my husband Adam and I have been at this church for too many years to count, I think. Um, and we just really love this church. It's a wonderful church. It's such a fantastic community. Um, one of the things that some of you, most of you know about Adam and I is that we have four kids. Our oldest just turned eight. Our youngest just turned two. So it's like a wild range of kids. And we kind of did it fast and furious, the whole kid thing. And we thought it was a good idea at the time. But now that we're living in the chaos, um, we might be having second thoughts on the whole do it quickly thing. Um, but they're awesome. And we love them, even though they make our lives incredibly loud and chaotic. Uh, would you agree? He agrees. He agrees. This is good. We're on the same page. <laughs> We're on the same page with that. One thing that I have found so challenging about having four kids, um, that range from eight to two, is the noise level. Like, it is insanity at our house on a regular basis. And what I really have come to miss, especially recently, is the quietness that was when it was just Adam and I. Like, it was so nice. And I know if your parents in this room... Or if your parents, then your kids are gone and you're experiencing the quiet again, you know that that is such a valuable thing. Hold on to it. If you don't have kids yet, hold on. Hold on to that quiet because as soon as you have kids, it is chaos 95% of the time. And one of the things, one of the stories I wanted to share, we were here for our Christmas um, party with our group and we were having this like lovely time. And we're all playing games and having some pizza and chatting. And nobody noticed my three-year-old go behind the soundboard. Don't listen, Lou. Um, he went behind the soundboard and he cranked the sound. So he just like, he biffed it. And all of a sudden it was like, like this like loud music. And everybody like threw their hands over their ears. Some people screamed. And Adam, who I've never seen run in his life, just like booked it to the soundboard turned it down and little Jaron is just under the soundboard like crying his eyes out because it was loud like ridiculously ridiculously loud and overwhelmingly loud and it happened like super fast and that is the only way that I thought of this morning that I could actually describe what happened to our life it was so quiet and peaceful and then like loud just all the time loud and for me my, when I feel overwhelmed my instinct is to like shut down to numb out. Does anybody else have that instinct? Just like turn everything off. I become emotionally unavailable. Adam can attest. I become super irritable. I get snappy. <laughs> All of these like negative things start to take over who I actually am and who I actually want to be. Um, and the noise and the demands of life just like amplify that. Amplify that like need to shut down and to numb out. And it's a really crappy place to sit. It's really not a lovely place to be in. When you know you can be someone else, but you're portraying this like crappy person because your life is just so overwhelmed. Um, so because we did things fast and furious, especially the last two, they're like 13 months apart or something like that. Um, we were super overwhelmed come 2020. So we had the, the newborn and we had a... 13-month-old, and then the pandemic hit, and all of our kids were home, four kids with a newborn, homeschooling. I was postpartum. Adam went back to work, and depression and anxiety just, like, took over me. It just ruled my life for a long, long, really long time. Um, 
It was absolutely chaotic. I felt like every day was just loud because it was loud. Um, and for the first time, I just couldn't seem to come out of myself. I couldn't come out of that irritable, snappy, depressed, anxious person. I just couldn't find my way out. And so when 2021 came around, Adam and I, we knew we needed to make some changes. And so we were praying. We were praying for a word for the year. We wanted God to give us some direction for a year. And the word that we got was to be intentional. Okay, seems easy enough. Um, but it actually was really hard because what I wanted to do, my instinct was to numb out still, was to shut down still, was to allow the depression and anxiety just to be there because it almost became comfortable. It was just easy. I just knew how to do that. But when God said that um, we needed to be intentional, we knew that that meant we were actually going to have to like do things that were uncomfortable, do things we didn't want to do. And so I had to learn ways to combat that desire to shut down. And the only way that I could figure out how to do that was to push into my desires. And one thing for me that I've always desired is more spiritually. I've always desired more. Even in my depression and anxiety, when I felt like I couldn't necessarily connect with God, I always had a desire to connect with God. And so even when it was hard, I just started to try and push into that, trying to build rhythms, trying to do anything I possibly could just to be closer to God somehow. And some days that looked simple, and some days that looked really, really hard. But what happened in the, in the world is exactly what happened in my life. It seems like overnight, our world went from being this like kind of like, I mean, there wasn't total peace, but there's like, we all had peace-ish. I would say, peace-ish in our lives. And then the pandemic hit, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the C word because nobody wants to talk about the C word, but we all of a sudden became overwhelmed. We became overwhelmed by information. We became overwhelmed by news. We became overwhelmed by opinions and thoughts. And before we knew it, the, the world was louder than our comfort. The world was louder than our peace. And all we have to do is turn on our radio or the TV or our social media and know that we're having a really hard time discerning what's true and what's false. And that's a really hard place to live in, and it really lacks peace. And so um, this week when I was reading the Bible, I flipped to 1 Peter chapter 3, which I'm going to read. Um, so Peter, if you don't know, was a disciple of Jesus. He was a friend, a close friend of Jesus. And he wrote these letters to the early churches. And they were letters of direction. And so I just found when I was reading this that it was super timely for what we're living in right now. So it says this. Finally, all of you should be one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, which I think we all do want many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, but his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. 
I love how simple that is. It's really straightforward. I, I really don't even feel like I need to spend a lot of time dissecting this message, right? Peter is directive. And so what I love about this chunk is whether you would call yourself a Jesus follower already or whether you're seeking, he leaves us with really simple instructions here that we can adapt into our every single day life that will bring us hope and will bring the world hope and will bring us peace. So the, the ones that he says right at the beginning, he says, be of one mind. And so what he's talking about is, is find something in common. And, and for us, that's simple, right? We can be of one mind because we are, we are Jesus followers or we're seeking Jesus in some way. And so we can keep that unity. We can be of one mind. Sympathize with one another. Love each other. Be tender-hearted to one another. Show each other kindness. I love all those shirts that say, like, spread kindness, show kindness. I have one that says, teach them kindness for my kids. And I think it's, it's so perfect for the world we're in right now. And then Peter gives us directives on how we can treat others. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with retaliate. Say it with me. Retaliate. Don't retaliate with insults. In fact, he tells us to pay people back who hurt us with a blessing. The opposite of chaos, the opposite of hurt is love and blessing. And the beautiful thing about the God we serve is that he takes those things, he takes our old life, he takes our, our sin and our muck and our evil doing, and he turns them into something beautiful. The word says he works all things for the good of his people. And the Lord blesses, as we read in Matthew, the Lord blesses us. No matter what part of life we're in, he will bless us. And I think that in the world we're living in, because we're all so overwhelmed by noise and burnout, it's easier to retaliate or to react than to just actually take our hands back or our mouths back and just like, I'm actually just not going to say anything. That's really hard for me. Adam can attest to that. I'm a snapper. But, but, Peter says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults. And so let's be real with each other for a second. Although the directives are simple and straightforward right now in the disunified, angry, and hurtful world that we're living in, these are not easy directives to follow. They're simple. When you read them, they feel simple. But to actually put them into practice, they're not that simple at all. They're actually really hard right now. But I love this church for a reason. It's because we are a dynamic, and we are a caring, and we are an active community. Connect Church has never been known just to sit on the sidelines. Connect Church has always been known to get their hands dirty and to be the change that we want to see. And so that's my encouragement this morning, is that we can be the change in the world that we want to see. And so I want to encourage us, let's be of one mind. Let's decide here this morning that we are going to actively pursue a change in Cranbrook. We're going to actively pursue a change in our own personal lives. We're going to actively pursue a change on our social media platforms. We're going to actively pursue a change in the way that we present ourselves and our lives so that Cranbrook and the rest of the world can see a change that they're attracted to. They can see something that they want to be a part of. So there's three things that, um, that Peter mentions that I'm going to mention this morning, um, and it's three ways that we can be that change, that we can actively be that change. And I don't know about you, but when I read it and Peter said, if you want to see... If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, I was like, I want that. Pick me. I want, I want many happy days. And he is talking about many as in 
like the number, many. Because when our health, when our emotional and our mental health is good, our life expectancy expands. It's proven. Positivity expands your life expectancy. So I want that. And actually, these weren't words from Peter. These were words that Peter was citing from David, who wrote the Psalms in the Old Testament. And so these were words that God himself inspired. And that was, that was the second part, the second quote of that scripture where he says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do good, search for peace and work to maintain it. That's the hard part. And so in that chunk, Peter's not actually quoting himself, he's quoting David, who, um, who wrote the Psalms. So one, to be the change, we must control our tongues and our keyboards. That's the trick right now. Because we live in a world where it has become super easy to be a keyboard warrior. You can stand up for anything on your keyboard. But if you were sitting face to face with a person, would you say the same things that you say behind your keyboard? I don't know. Maybe you would. But Peter says this to us. He says, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. It's a discipline. It's a discipline to stop ourselves from speaking, to stop ourselves from retaliating on a post really quickly. And it's a discipline to actually just, just stop for a second and ask God, how do you want me to respond to this? What message do you want to tell right now? Because if we're bearers of Jesus, if we're his advocates, what message does he want to portray? And that's more important than the message that we want to portray. And so to be the change, we must control our tongues. 1 question that I wanted to ask is, is when you're having conversations with people or when you're on your keyboard, are, what are you warring for? Are you warring for peace and love? Are you warring for something that actually is not going to matter come eternity? If we are setting ourselves up to spend eternity with Jesus, are you spending your time on earth warring for something that brings that to light for others, that brings peace and love and that hope to others? Or are you warring for something that in eternity is not going to matter? Ask yourself that before you type or before you speak. At the end of my life, I want to be known as an encourager. That's one of the things when people ask me, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? I want them to say, Jen was an encourager. Jen encouraged, Jen inspired, Jen gave hope. That's what I, that's what I want for me. And I want you to ask yourself that too. At the end of your life, at your funeral, what do you hope people say about you? Did you speak life? Adam and I have this kind of weird parenting hack where we talk about our kids behind their backs in front of their backs. So we pretend they can't hear us. We pretend they can't see us. And then we say all the wonderful things about them. And uh, this is proven in, you know, all the parenting talks that I listen to, that this raises kids' confidence. It brings them up when they hear people talking about, uh, when they hear their parents talking about them in a positive way. And so I want to ask you to challenge yourself before you gossip. Are you gossiping something negative and if you are, change your mind and say something positive. Say something positive about people. Say something great about what they're doing in the world. And if you have nothing nice to say, you got it. Don't say anything at all. Control your tongue. Control your tongue. Our words have the power of life or death. And so before you open your mouth, just think about it. Just think about what you want to say. Be an encourager. Bring hope. 
The second thing is to be the change we want to see, we must run towards good. We must run towards good. Peter says, turn away from evil and do good. Do good. I don't know about you, but doing good feels really good. Um, around Christmas time, there was lots of opportunities to give in our community. Uh, one of the things that some of our groups got together and did was to serve a single mom who lost everything in a house fire. And this church pulled together and really served her well. They gave her money, they gave her gifts, they gave her stocking stuffers, and she was loved so, so well. Doing good feels good. It feels right. And so when you fill your life with more of that and less of the other stuff, you will live a positive and radiant life. It will benefit you. I love how blunt Peter is about it. He's uncomplicated. He doesn't try to, like, over-explain it. He just simplifies it. Turn from evil and do good. Turn from evil and do good. Way back in the day, Connect Church had this saying, Love is choosing, does anybody know? Yeah, the oldies are here. Not that you're old in age. You've just been around. Love is choosing for another's highest good. We used to say that almost weekly at Connect Church, and it was something that was stuck in your brain over and over and over and over. Love is choosing for another's highest good. And so a question we can ask ourselves is, is what I'm about to do good for this person, or is it good for me? And if it's just good for me, maybe it's not the right step. Maybe it's not the right thing to do. Love is choosing for another's highest good. And sometimes we get stuck on the hamster wheel of doing what's good for us, on standing on the opinions or the ideas or the lifestyle or the cultures that are good for us, and it actually affects the people around us, and we don't realize it. And so sometimes it's important in life to just take a step back and say, am I choosing for other people's highest good? Or am I choosing for myself? A really simple example of this, which is silly but simple, is as a mom, I am like desperate for alone time. I know you can probably relate. And so when the weekends come and Adam's actually home, I am like out of dodge. I am doing whatever I can to get out of the house. I'm grocery shopping if I have to, like whatever I can do. But I realized that that was starting to become an unhealthy pattern because Saturdays was coming and Saturday, Sunday, I was gone the whole weekend. I just wanted so badly to be out of Dodge that I was gone the whole weekend. And I remember driving home one day, and God was like, you're being kind of selfish. And I was like, ouch, what? You're being kind of selfish. Like, your family's at home without you. And I was like, oh, man, you're right. Like, even though my desire was to get out of Dodge, my family needed me still. And I, and I needed them. I love you. <laughs> I do love spending time with my family. And so sometimes love is choosing for somebody else, not choosing for ourselves. One of the ways that, um, that we can do, do this is to avoid temptations that are going to bring negativity to our lives. That's a simple practice that we can do. Avoid negativity that's going to bring temptation into our lives to do evil or to stand on um, ground that is shaky. When was the last time you did a good old-fashioned social media clean-out? Like the cancel culture, but canceled all of the things that brought you negativity to your life. When was the last time you did that? I try to do it on the regular. And Peter says to be like-minded. See, as Jesus followers and people seeking peace, we can disagree on major things, but we can be united with each other because we have Jesus, and it brings us together. So instead of separating from one another. Let's be like-minded. 
Let's be together. Let's stand on Jesus and let's spend our time encouraging and uplifting each other. So the last thing that I have is to be the change, we need to find peace and keep it. Find peace and keep it. The second part is the hard part. Keep it. Peter says, search for peace and work to maintain it. And I, and I chose this version because I really liked the word work. It takes intentionality to hold on to our peace. It's a discipline. I don't know about you, but I would say that in this day and age with all of the noise and opinions around us, it is really, really, really hard to find moments of peace in our life, to quiet the noise in our minds long enough to actually find some peace and some quiet. I'm reading a book um, by Wayne Cadero called Leading on Empty, and he talks about, as a pastor, needing time to actually go to a monastery because he needed the quiet, the absolute quiet. And by day six, he couldn't take it anymore. It's too quiet. But I actually, I just loved that because we need to eliminate all the other voices in the world, all the other sounds so that we can just hear Jesus. And whether we believe in Jesus or we're seeking for Jesus, I believe that God will speak to us if we ask him. If we ask him to reveal himself to us, he will. And that's where our true peace is found, in him. We can find momentary peace. We live in the Kootenays and getting out. I loved Liz had a great picture the other day in the forest. That's something I enjoy too. We can find peace all over in the Kootenays. Get outside. Enjoy the Kootenays. Um, I like to find peace on my yoga mat after I work out in the morning. That's my moments of peace. But I have to work to maintain that peace. Because as soon as I leave my quiet space, there's, there's things just coming at me all the time. Not just my kids who are coming at me every day. But there's, there's news and there's work and there's social media. And so we have to work really hard to maintain that peace. And in order to maintain that peace, we just have to be with Jesus. It's as simple as that. We don't have to do anything. We just need to be present, be with Jesus. Part of holding on to peace is surrendering, is letting go of things. The, op the opposite of peace is bitterness and hurt and frustration. If you're holding on to those things, it's going to be really difficult for you to find peace. And the good news is that Jesus came in the flesh so that we could have freedom from our hurts and from our frustrations and from our mourning and from our pain. And it's not as easy as it seems. We have to work for that peace. The word says that God disciplines those he loves. And so sometimes maintaining that peace is a work of discipline. For me, it's showing up on that mat every single morning. Whether I want to get up at 6 a.m. or not, I know I need to find that peace. Because without it, my day is too chaotic. In John 14, Jesus says this, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so in this loud and chaotic world, if we're advocates of Jesus, we can be that peace, but we have to work hard to maintain it. And the wonderful thing is about Jesus is that he's just waiting to offer us that peace. And so if we're hurting and we have relationship with him, we can offer ourselves, we can surrender and he will come over us and he will give us that peace and if we don't know Jesus yet we can invite him to be Lord of our life and he will bring us that peace as well Adam came upstairs the other week 
from, from being at work, and I was making supper with those noise-canceling headphones on, you know, the ones the kids wear for the loud music. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, our kids are so bloody loud. I can't even focus on supper. Like, I can't even focus on daily tasks. So I just had these sound mufflers on in hopes for some sort of quiet. I feel like that's what we need to do um, in order to find our peace. We need to put mufflers over our ears. We need to protect ourselves. So the three things, the three things are control your tongue, run towards the good, seek peace, and work hard to maintain it. And I feel like those are three fairly simple things that we can remember and we can do. We can apply these to our lives right now, today. Control our tongues, do what's good, run towards it, and seek peace and, and work hard to maintain it. And in John 14 that I read, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so all we really need to do is ask Jesus for that peace. And when he left earth, he left us his Holy Spirit to be our help and to be our guide. And so I am going to play a sound clip for you. Not, not yet. Not yet. And some of you will have already heard it because it's a TikTok phenomenon. Um, but when you hear it, I want it to get stuck in your head. And I picked this because it will get stuck in your head. So... <laughs> it's, I played it at the office the other day and Clayton's like, ah, my ears. When you want to engage in a conversation that's unhealthy, whether it be in person or online, I want you to hear this song in your head. And when you want to relate with negativity or retaliate, I also want you to hear this song in your head so that you can run towards the good. And when you need peace, I also want you to hear this song in your head so that you'll remember that God left his spirit to be our helper so that we can achieve these three things. We can do these things and we can be the change that we want to see in the world. Hit it. You Hold on. Okay. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy oh, Spirit, no. Oh, activate. No. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 All right, let's go. You got it? My hope this morning is that you are encouraged that although we live in a loud and chaotic and overwhelming world right now, we can be people of peace. It is a gift that we've been given. We can be people of peace not only for ourselves and for our families, but we can be people of peace for those around us. We are advocates. We are examples. And so I just encourage you this week to just spend time in the presence of God. Find that peace and work hard to maintain it. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for these people. And God, I just pray your peace would be on them today and moving forward this week. Lord Jesus, I just pray um, that you would help us not to retaliate, but that you would help us to run towards good. Father, that you would help us to control our tongues and our actions and be people of peace in this world. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that in the chaos, you are light. And we thank you that we get to be that opportunity for others. Father, I just pray that if anyone does not have the relationship with you that we are blessed to have, Father, that they would seek it, Lord Jesus, that, um, that you would come to them and that you would offer them the peace and the hope that we have, Father. I thank you, Lord, for who you are in your name.